streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Ministries on another rainy day, <laughs> um, but we hope you're doing well. Wish you well today. We are in John, and we're about to look at a very powerful story in the in the um, Gospel of John. It's John chapter four, and um, I'm just going to let's just read the first few verses and then start talking about it. It says, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing but his disciples were, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. So remember last time, I don't know if you do, but I said that he spent eight months in Judea before he really began the Galilean ministry. So now he's going to go and begin the Galilean ministry. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Thank you, Lord. Please show us your truths in this word um, and speak to us today. It says he had to pass through Samaria and he came to this city. He came to a place called Jacob's Well. We're leaving for Israel on Monday and we are going to go there. We have not been to Jacob's Well before. This is going to be a new site for us. And it's very exciting. It says that, um, it says that Jacob gave this well to his son Joseph. And it is still there today. So we're going to see it. I'm very excited about that. Now, we've been talking about how everything Jesus did, he did because it had been prophesied. Because the prophets before him had called forth what the Son of God was going to do when God incarnate came to earth. 
And so he's walking out physically that which the prophets have foretold. And it's so clear in this story. It's just full of um, just resonation from the Old Testament of what the prophets said Jesus, the Messiah, was going to bring, to bring to the people in the worst need. And this is the thing about Jesus. He's always being led by the Holy Spirit, and he's always being led to the one in need. You know? Nobody could get to need like Jesus. <laughs> um, he wasn't doing his own ministry. He didn't have an agenda. He didn't have a plan, a five-year plan. He was daily led by the Spirit to need, but he was. it had already been called forth by prophets of God hundreds of years before. It's just fascinating to see how he lived his life that way. That's great. You get up in the morning, you don't have to make decisions. You just are led by the Spirit of God and you're fulfilling what's already been spoken and prophesied. Amen? So he's going to meet a woman and they're going to have a talk about water, right? It's going to be what she needs. She has a tremendous need in her life. And Jesus is going to meet that need in a way that just blows her mind. But it's already been called forth over and over in the Old Testament. And I want to go to a couple of um, famous ones. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel had this incredible um, vision of the new temple being built. When Jesus comes to rule and reign for a thousand years, when Jesus comes back again and he takes, he defeats the Antichrist and he takes up David's throne and he begins to rule over the world, then a new temple will be built. And all the curse, the war, the sickness, everything that this world, this paradise God first created to decimate this earth is going to be restored. I've told people sometimes, you should read your Bible like this. (laughs) Because what God started at the beginning, he's going to bring full circle. That's what this Bible tells, how that's going to happen. It's going to come full circle to what God created in the first place, which was perfection. Right? So Ezekiel gets a vision of what some of how this is going to look. And it's in Ezekiel 47. And it has to do with water. Um, it says, I'm starting in verse 1 of Ezekiel 47. Then he brought me back to the door of the house. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east. The house meaning the new temple. The third temple. Um The house faced east, and the water was flowing from down under, from the right side of the house, from south of the altar. What's on the altar? The blood of Jesus. That which has bought back this world. He has redeemed and bought back this world from Satan. And he brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. That would be toward the Mount of Olives. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. If you go to Israel with us, you can just visualize exactly where this is. Here's the Temple Mount. The east is the Mount of Olives. And then you go down the hill to the south side where the city of David is. So water begins to trickle down south. When the... um, I've written so much on here, I sometimes can't read the words in my Bible. When the wall was out toward... What's that word? When the... Yeah, yours is different. 
went out towards the east with a line in his hand. Oh, and the man, the man that was in this vision, because he's measuring the water, he's measuring the temple, he's measuring everything that it's to God's perfect specifications. When the man went out toward the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, water reaching the ankles. So this is the beginning, salvation, shallow. You're just starting into the things of God. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the knees. And there's just a whole teaching in this. I can't get into all that. And he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the loins or the hips. Again, he reached th- measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not ford for the water had risen enough to swim in, a river that could not be forded. So it's trickling out from under the temple. It's turned into a river. Verse 6, and he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said to me, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down into the Arabah. Then they go toward the sea, making it to flow into the sea. He's talking about what's called the Dead Sea which right now, and for many, many years, ever since Sodom and Gomorrah, it's been dead. There's no life, none. It's desolate, dead. And this water is flowing into the Dead Sea. And then it says in verse 9, And it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. So the Dead Sea comes to life. And there will be so many fish. For these waters go there and the others become fresh so that everything will live where the river goes. The Spirit gives life. Mm -hmm. And it will come about that fishermen will stand beside it from Ein Gedi to Ein Galeim. There will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kinds like the fish of the great sea, very many. And then I'm going to jump to verse 12. And by the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is not just regular water, is it? It's living water. Living water which restores that which was dead, which brings life back and brings healing This is Eden. This is going back to Genesis, to that paradise that God first created. So how is he going to accomplish this? Through living water that flows out and heals and washes. This is prophesied. Okay? Um, Then, just just to show you how I, this, this thing, you know, how you go around, go over to Revelation 22. And how is it described there? What's this world going to be like after Jesus comes back and establishes himself as King of Kings and Lord of Lords? What's it going to look like? Revelation 22, it says, And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life. We're back in the garden, right? The tree of life is back. Bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Oh, do our nations need healing? 
<laughs> Does this world need healing? So this living water brings heat, brings life where there was death, brings healing where there's been hurt and pain and suffering. And finally, verse 3, And there shall no longer be any curse. <laughs> and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him. So that's Revelation. Now one more Old Testament, and then we're going to see how Jesus applied this to a life, to the life of one woman that the prophets had foretold this living water and he's going to apply it to the life of someone in need. Zechariah 14. You want to find Zechariah, you go to Matthew, you go backwards to Malachi, the Italian prophet, and then you go one more to Zechariah. The last chapter, yeah, the last chapter of Zechariah, verse 4. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. We're going to be there. In a week, we're going to be on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north, the other half toward the south. And you will flee by the valley of my mountains. For the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel, that is, east of Jerusalem. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come, and all the holy ones with him. That's us. <laughs> and it will come about in that day that there will be no light. The luminaries will dwindle. Two more verses. For it will be a unique time, a, un- a unique day, which is known to the Lord. Neither day nor night will come about. At evening time there will be light, and it will come about in that day that living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. So in all three of these, we've seen that it never stops, does it? Constantly, the fruit never stops bearing, the trees never stop bearing, the water never stops. Once Jesus comes again, to restore, to remove the curse and everything that's brought to us, to remove sin, that life, that pulsing, crystal clear life will be available 365 days a year, 24-7. It's there for the healing, for every need to be met. We'll never feel need again. Imagine that. We'll never feel need again. We'll never need healing again. So here comes Jesus to make this very personal to a woman who desperately needed healing in her life and who was dead and dry and had no life in her and no hope for life. So, um, and oh gosh, there's so many ways to, to approach this. And when I teach on this, I usually talk about the seven movements of Jesus that are in Rick Bonfim's book, Praying with Accuracy, how he moved with com- discernment, confirmation, root work, soul ministry. But I, I don't have time to put all of this on top of each other in too much depth. But we'll touch on it. So we're in verse 7. We're back in John 4 now, verse 7. Are you keeping up with me? I know I'm going fast. But I wanted to lay the prophetic first, the living water, and what it's going to do. And now, how did Jesus walk this out in a regular day of ministry? <coughs> Excuse me. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Where was Jesus? He was sitting at Jacob's well. He was just sitting there, waiting. The first movement in Jesus' 
ministry, every day when he got up, was discernment. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And he discerned by the Holy Spirit. Go left, go right. Go here, go there. So the Holy Spirit led him to sit and wait at Jacob's well. And he's he's discerning. He has his iPhone and he has a signal. And he's got his little ways. And the, the Father is sending him his directions. Go sit by Jacob's well. That's discernment. And that's how all effective ministry begins, is being led by the Holy Spirit. Go over here. Go to this one. Go to that one. Here's your assignment for today. So the next thing that happens is confirmation. He's sitting there by Jacob's well, and here comes a woman. (laughs) So he knows he's in the right place at the right time. This is why the Holy Spirit has led him to this particular place. Now, it's very unusual that Jesus would even be here because the Jews did not go through Samaria. It says as he left Judea and went to Galilee, he had to pass through through Samaria, but that's not usually the route they took. They went around, they took, went 25 miles out of their way to go around Samaria because if you know the history of it all, the Samaritans were a mixed breed of people after the exile into Assyria and the Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. And the Jews considered the Samaritans unclean and didn't want anything to do with them. So for Jesus to go right into Samaria, he already is defying social norms and going to a place of need. <laughs> because these are a outcast people who are hated and despised and looked at like dogs. So um, he's in an environment of rejection of people who... The Jews say, God hates them, and we hate them, and they're unclean. And he's sitting there, led by the Holy Spirit. Then here comes this woman. Confirmation. This is the one the Holy Spirit has led him. She's coming at noon. It says it was about the sixth hour, and that would be noon. Women didn't go to the well at noon. They went at six in the morning. (laughs) And this was their Facebook time. You know, they come together in the morning. They talk about all the gossip, what's going on in the village. And that was their fellowship time to talk. And and uh, she didn't come at 6 in the morning. So not only was she a rejected Samaritan because she was a Samaritan, she was rejected by her own people. They didn't want her there. So she waited till everybody else had gone away. And then she came at noon. This confirms to Jesus, this is a woman in need. She's an outcast. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? In other words, how how come you're even talking to me? (laughs) Jews don't associate with Samaritans why are you even acknowledging me since I am a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and Jesus was sitting there at the well there was a bucket or a dipper he could have served himself water but since the Holy Spirit had led him here for this woman he asked her to give him the water which was something that moves to the next movement, which is root work. He asked something of her, will you serve me? He, he, he wants to interact with her. He wants to find a way to interact with her and allow her to serve him. Even though other Jews, teachers, rabbis, 
would would have just walked away and said, oh, I can't be near you. You're unclean. So he's going right to her heart, isn't he? He's going to the root of her need, which is rejection. Um, and, of course, he asked for a drink of water for himself, and it's probably hot, and he probably needed a drink, but that wasn't the point. He knows she inside is like what we read in the prophets. She's dead. She's empty. There's no life in her. There's no hope. And this encounter really doesn't have to do with water (laughs) that he needs. It has to do with her idea of herself and her deep need to be healed. So in verse 16, um, she she, she then, um, sorry, sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um, We'll go on with 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, now I mean, she doesn't understand at all what he means by this. The fact that he's even talking to her has her in shock. But she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. You hear that? The water that whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall become in him. That water will never stop flowing. When Jesus pours his living water into you, it doesn't have drought seasons and rain seasons and sometimes it's supplying and sometimes it's it's never ending. This is he's telling us this is possible for you today. When you feel it's possible for me. I'm tired, I need healing, I'm worn out, I, I don't feel a lot of hope for certain things in life. I feel like just some things aren't thriving or alive. Jesus says, I can pour living water into you, Betty, right now, and it won't ever stop flowing. And what needs healing can be healed. What needs refreshing can be refreshed. What needs revitalizing can be revitalized. Jesus is saying that to her, but he's also saying it to you and to me. Betty, you've had this bronchitis, walking pneumonia thing, and you keep coughing, and you're about ready to go to Israel. I can pour living water for healing into your body so that it revives and energy comes back. And I say, Lord, give me that living water. I need it. So, going on, he says, Whoever, verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him. A well of water. That means I don't have to go looking for it somewhere. It's in me. I don't have to go to some conference in some city and say, oh, i got to hear a word from a prophet. He says, it'll be in you. (laughs) The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. (laughs) I say that too. Jesus today, give me this water. (laughs) This water that was so powerful, it flowed out from 